Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom. Nathan Drinkard, I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. You know where to find us. We're on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, so many other places. And if you're looking for us in the video format, you can find us at the A Drink of Wisdom uh, YouTube channel. Drink, great to be with you with excellent internet and an actual an actual, uh, actual residence that is not a hotel today. Or, or a vehicle. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I kind of miss you being live from the car. Um, but I, I would tell you like this, it's one of the things is, uh, we kind of underappreciate what we have until we don't have it. Then you get, you, you, you build a greater appreciation. I guess, um, what I'm saying is, is when, when you was in the car and, uh, when you was making it happen on the ones and twos over there, I couldn't be too mad cause you was making it happen. But now that you back at, you know, a steady residence with a steady connection, I'm pretty damn happy with that said, um, I'm glad to be here for another um, fantastic Friday. You know, usually it's fruitful Friday, but I'm gonna change it to fantastic Friday today. Um, I'm glad to be back in here with my main man, but you know what time it is. You know, I got to find out what's going on with you and yours now that you're out of the car and everything. Oh yeah, you know, you already know how it's going with me, man. How about you? <laughs> uh, hey, listen, another day, another dollar, man. I can't complain, you know what I'm saying? Now we back we back in the lab giving the streets what they need. Um we we see what they don't absolutely say what they want and um you know, I would say set the dinner plates. I just ate a fry and um it kind of touched my soul. So if you don't want to set a dinner plate, that's fine, but you finna <laughs> eat something cuz we about to get it we about to get into the business, baby. And last but not least, let's talk some sports, baby. What we got today, Jay? We have episode 38, and we'll get into more NFL uh, head coaching hires because they're they're never going to stop hiring because they just can't hire them all at once, apparently. We'll, we'll also have a busy uh, NBA trading deadline, and we'll um, we'll talk about who would win an actual game if they played one. <clears throat> That's in the NBA All-Star Game arena. But we're going to start with the Super Bowl preview, which it <clears throat> seems like forever ago that the <clears throat> respective championship games were played, but uh, tomorrow – uh, no, Sunday, Sunday even, we will have the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. Bengals, as you well know, they haven't been to the Super Bowl since, what, 1988? <clears throat> God, get this tickle out of my throat. I think I finally got it. But the Bengals, of course, haven't been back in quite a while. The Rams, meanwhile, they were in this game just about four years ago when they uh, lost to the New England Patriots 13-3. to uh, New quarterbacks for both teams, Matthew Stafford in his first year with the Rams and the second year uh quarterback for the Bengals Joe Burrow interesting coaching matchup you have Sean McVay his second uh, time in the game I believe as offensive coordinator in the Super Bowl was Zach Taylor uh drink the Bengals have um upset the apple cart uh for two straight games now against the Titans and the Chiefs respectively can they do it a third time or do the Rams take care of business Man, we talked about this before the show, man. And like I said um, before the show, you know, it's tough because at, at every turn myself, I I kind of, I just underestimated the Bengals. A wild card round against the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders probably get them. They're a gritty team. They, they fight tooth and nail, and I think they might be too much for the young quarterback. And then in the second round, you get Tennessee Titans fresh off a bye. Um, you get your main man, uh, Derrick Henry, back. Julio for a chance. Oh, man, the Titans going to be ready. The light's going to be too bright for the for Joe Burrow and the Bengals, and then they beat the Titans. 
Then you get to the AFC Championship game, and you're like, oh, now you know what time it is. Now this is the main stage here. This is showtime. You got Patrick Mahomes and the, and the Kansas City Chief fresh off what we considered to be the Super Bowl against the Buffalo Bills and, and Josh Allen, that, that, that overtime win. And you're like, listen, all they got to do is roll over that effort into this game, and it should be over with. And it kind of looked that way for a quarter and a half in the first half, and then the rest was that. But the Bengals, to their credit, <laughs> went to Tennessee and won, went to Kansas City and won. Now they're in L.A. in the Super Bowl. Um, but with all that said, something in me would not allow me to say the Bengals. After, even with all that I just said and all that we just seen, I got to go with the Rams. Um, look, man, for me, it's about the positions. And I look at the positions and I say, where could I say that the Bengals are significantly better than the Rams? And, and like, me and you was talking and I was going through my list and I said quarterback, I had to go Matthew Stafford. I said running back. I do give Cincinnati the edge in the running back. Like, I'm looking, the Rams are 25th in rushing offense. The Bengals are 23rd. So somewhere in there, the Bengals are better at rushing, right? So I, I gave that just strength, basically off the fact that I think Joe Mixon is running the ball better than, you know, the Cam Akers and Sonny Michelle combination. All right. Now, wide receiver... You know, I know a lot of people just off, um, you know, recent memory bias going to say Jamal Chase is probably the, the better, the best receiver that's going to take the field. But that would be a lie because Jamal Chase ain't done half of the stuff that Cooper Cup done. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, if you're going one for one, I think Cooper Cup is the better receiver. Jamal Chase is definitely the second better receiver. Don't you miss me with the Odell Beckham stuff because I know that's probably some backlash we're going to get once these posted. Yo, Odell Beckham, don't be disrespectful. Like, let's be real here. Odell Beckham is not better than Cooper Cup or Jamar Chase at this point. So let's not be disrespectful. Now, when we go into the second and third options of those teams, now you, gotta, you might have a case. I would say Odell Beckham is better than T. Higgins. I'm, I'm sorry, but I do think he's better than T. Higgins. Maybe not Jamar Chase, but I do think he's better than T. Higgins. But I would say Tyler Boyd is is better than, I'm not even sure who the third option for. Van, oh, Van um, Jefferson. Van Jefferson. There we go. Hey, I drew a blank. Yeah, I, do, I think Tyler Boyd is better than Van Jefferson. Even though Van Jefferson has been playing very, very well, I think Tyler Boyd is better in that, in that mix. So, and then another thing, like we talked about, Tyler Higby won't play in this game. He, they just placed him on IR, so he'll be out for the Super Bowl, which will bring up Blanton. I don't, I don't really know what his first Ken, name is. Kendall Blanton. But Blanton is his last name. Um, I don't – we haven't seen him play the starting tight end role, so we'll see how that goes. But then on the other side, Cincinnati will be without C.J. Uzama. So he's gonna he's gonna play from what I've seen. Oh, is he? I think he's gonna I think he's gonna play. Okay, now I wonder how how effective he'll be. Okay, so let me backtrack then. If CJ Ozama is gonna play then, they have a significant upgrade in tight end over 
the Rams because C.J. Uzama has been very, very good this year. I just – I thought he wasn't going to play, but, listen, it's the Super Bowl. I ain't mad at him. Go, go do what you got to do, right? Um, so that's from the offensive standpoint. Head coach standpoint, I know you hit up – you hit a little bit of it in the lead-in. Sean McVay going against one of his old assistants. Sean McVay has been here before. Yeah, I got it. Zach Taylor has been here before as an offense coordinator. Sean McVay was here as a head coach. It's a difference. You think I'm lying? Go talk to Bill Belichick. He'll tell you. It's a difference. With that said, I get it. I get it. Even though, and it's not just because Zach Taylor used to be the offense coordinator for Sean McVay. It's just because I think Sean McVay, I just think he's a better coach. I've seen, seen him do more. I've seen him be, be on the bigger stages. This is Zach Taylor's first opportunity in the Super Bowl as a head coach. I do have to give him credit for the run that his team that made in the playoffs this year. We'll see how that turned out. But as of right now, from the coaching head coaching standpoint, I had to go with Sean McVay. And then not to you know dive in and wait, you know, kill all the time we got to go into the defensive players. I, w- I would say this: the the Bengals have a very good defensive line, but the Rams is better. I'm, I'm sorry, it's just better. But the Bengals do have a good defensive line. The Bengals have an okay secondary, but the Rams is better. So it's just I'm. You know, I, I, I got to start looking at special teams here. And some would say Cincinnati do got a better place kicker. I mean, if you want to go that deep into the weeds, they might have a better place kicker, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how, how close. This ain't pro football focused, so I don't know how close we look at place kickers. But some would say. Um, with all that said, man, listen, this game is happening in L.A. Um and we know the Rams have a hard time getting, you know, the home crowd fired up. I don't think they'll have that problem this time around, being that it's the biggest game of the season. Um, and I think for the first time in this playoff run, the Bengals will now be the hunted just as well as the Rams. They was kind of the hunters for the first three rounds because we was just like, yeah. Yo, they ain't going to beat the Raiders. They did. Okay, cool. Yo, they ain't going to beat Tennessee. Then they did. Uh, all right. They damn sure ain't going to beat um, the Chiefs. And then they did. And then it's kind of like, uh. So we just seen enough to where we're, we're – I'm expecting the Rams to take them, you know, very, very elitely serious and, and come out here and take care of business. And with that said, I just don't think Joe, Joe Burrow – will have, like, as much success as, as he had up to this run. Um, I think that defensive line, the, that linebacker core will be ready for Joe Mixon. I, don't get me wrong. I think Joe Mixon going to make some plays because there's some plays to be made. But I just feel like that Rams defense will look more elitish. Like they, you know, not, not necessarily the way Tampa Bay looked last year because Tampa Bay was just lights out last year. But I do think they're going to play, like, to a better level that we didn't seen thus far in the playoffs, even though they haven't been like awful in the playoffs or anything. But I think we're going to see probably the best version of the Rams defense in this game, just because of the respect they're going to have for the Bengals and everything they, they, um, we just seen out of the Bengals, this, this playoff run. And then like Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and now CJ Usama. Um, listen, th- these guys have been tearing it up. But I think now they're playing a defense that's going to be able to match them player for player. I, I, I like what the Rams defense do. We know Jalen Ramsey. We, we know 
most likely he'll have, you know, Jamar Chase or if he stick to one side. We, we know how that works in the NFL schemes. Um, but, you know, I think the Rams got some – they got some safeties that can, that can hold their own. I think, you know, Joe Burrow will have to he, – he's going to have to do some more miraculous things than he had done up to this point. And then, you know, not to forget, I don't – listen, I think this Rams offensive line is a tad bit underrated. I don't know if that deep if, if the Bengals defensive line is going to get the Matthew Stafford as much as um, they begin to some of the other quarterbacks. Once again, I told you my, my, my outlook on Andrew Whitworth, and I I mean, I didn't get a guy his just due because I thought he was just an old guy that was hanging on for dear life, but he actually – he the goods over there, all pro goods, matter of fact. And um, so I, I just feel like a lot of the matchups, when I look at this game – just too many matchups goes goes the Rams way, and then you got the home you know the home field advantage and all this. I I don't know, man. And not to mention the outside noise getting to you know these guys' head. They're a young team. We have to remember that these ain't these ain't just solid veterans. Like Jamal Chase is a rookie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um. So these young guys on this stage for the first time. I think, you know, the outside noise could, you know, cause a problem. We'll see. But it's just the Rams year, man. Listen, Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham, the first two names that come to my, my brain when I think of guys that have been around for a while that don't really have the hardware to show it. This is their time, and I think they'll be more hungrier. Because keep it real, I think Cincinnati going to have that old we can make it back here again feeling, right? Kind of like Kansas City had two years ago. We can get back here again. We should be all right. Um, so I think the Rams will capitalize off that. So yeah, I got the Rams twenty four seventeen, Rams. Yeah, I think in, I think in the end it just feels like um, if the Rams do what they if the Rams play up to their capabilities they'll win the game much like if Tennessee or Kansas City uh, excuse me if Ryan Tannehill played up his he if he done anything Tennessee would have won that game. And then Kansas City just, uh, you know, they they play three drives and then just they just, you know, hit the brakes. So, uh, but Cincinnati, you got to give them credit. They were opportunistic, like I said before the show. Uh, don't want to take it away from them. They, they got here. They earned it. But um, I, I do think, like, it just feels like the Rams' time, you know. They they did everything they could, you know, in it, to get to this position, whether it's from the coaching standpoint, whether it's to, you know, the personnel you acquired, in the middle of the season, you know, everything they did, they, the Rams were all in. And now you're in a situation where you have Matthew Stafford, one game left. Um, I, I think, I think I do like him over Joe Burrow in this, in this moment. Um, I think the, I think the running backs are a little bit closer. You might get mixed in a slight edge, but I do think one of the things you'll see is the Rams offense is the uh, Rams running game has really had a tough time in the past two games because they've been playing against elite uh, run defenses in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the San Francisco 49ers. So I think, I think this is a game where you'll see Cam Akers and Sony Michelle get on track. They should be able to move the Cincinnati Bengals. They should be able to push them back a little bit. They may not, they may not completely, you know, uh, obliterate them and maul them, but I think they can win. I think they can win the matchup up front. And that's only going to make Matthew Stafford um, with the play action and Cooper Cup, Odell, better and i do think the Bengals, excuse me the rams i think the simplest thing you'd say is they have a better they have a better receiving group 
Um, when you take the three wide receivers they had with Cooper Cup, Odell, and Van Jefferson, uh, even though the Cincinnati Bengals wide receivers uh, definitely to be respected, but I do think I, I'll take the Rams um, this time. They do got they do got a tight end edge, CJ Uzama. How healthy is he? We don't know. I do. I, I had no idea he would be able to play in this game because that uh, that injury he had in the championship game didn't look like he'd return from that. But right. they catch a break on that. Uzama's gonna play. Higby will be out, but Kendall Blanton was good for them um, in the in the championship game. I believe. I believe he had five six catches. And then I think the, the biggest part, I think, up front on both sides, I think the Rams have an advantage on both sides, particularly their defensive line. I know the um, the Rams, excuse me, the, the Bengals' offensive line was pretty, pretty good, pretty good last week or two weeks ago against Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't just get ran over like they did against Tennessee. But I will say the Rams, this is going to be a different, this is going to be a different problem. If Cincinnati can't run the ball, that's going to be a problem because now you're going to have Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. They're going to be coming, and it's going to be a problem. Um, I don't know if they get nine sacks, but I think it's definitely plausible you could see at least four, uh, maybe more. And I do think in terms when you look at these defenses, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think the Bengals have one defensive player better than Aaron Donald Jalen Ramsey or Von Miller. So I think the Rams have the three. Maybe, maybe Trey Henderson. Maybe. Maybe maybe Trey Henderson. I, I'll throw Jesse Bates in there too. I think those are the two maybe you look at. But um, it, 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 and that, that could be true. But as far as name brand star power, the Rams got it. And right. uh, I, I just, th- there seems to be like too many things like against the Bengals in this game. The coaching matchup. I'm definitely going to go with Sean McVay. McVay has been here before. He knows what it takes. Um, he, they, they knew they had to get better at the quarterback position. They did. There can be no question that Matthew Stafford was an upgrade. Um, so you have that. It's just it's hard. It's hard to imagine Cincinnati winning this game. But we have been wrong before, so I don't want to rule them out completely. Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow. I mean, you talk about all the young quarterbacks that the AFC has who seem like, oh, man, this dude's next. This dude's next. You know, you talk about all the guys that are going, that are coming for Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Maybe you, you throw Justin Herbert in there as well since he's playing the right. same division. Not many people said Joe Burrow was going to get him. And Joe Burrow got him, and he gets, <laughs> you know, you talk about the, what, is there nobody, I think there's, there was some stat I saw that nobody's had a national championship, a Heisman, and a Super Bowl. Right. Uh, Joe Burrow got a chance to get it. It, it, but in the end, like this, this seemed like the Rams' time. That that's just seemed that's the as simplest simplest as I can put it. All right. So staying in the NFL, we just finally got our last three coaches in the saddle. Um, we got Dennis Allen taking over the rings at, at, at for the New Orleans Saints. We got Mike McDaniel's taking over the head coaching duties for my for the Miami Dolphins. And you know where you been at, Lovey? We got Lovey Smith making his return for his third stint as an NFL head coach with the Houston Texans. So Jay, last three coaches feel. Um, I know. It's probably not your favorite subject, but, you know, it's been a big thing about race. So we got two two white guys and one black guy. Just going to throw that on out there. With that said, of these three coaches, 
which which coach has the best situation of the three latest hires? It's looking through real quick, isn't there? I thought there was um, was there one more opening that hadn't been filled, or was it is it just Minnesota? And we know they're going to hire O'Connell. Is that the last yeah, one? Just, I think it's just Minnesota. Just we've been post, okay. we've been holding off on that, just okay. waiting for the official announcement. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. The question, sorry, the question was who's in the best position? Yeah, who, who who has the best situation of the three? Okay. I also, you know what? Since you brought up the issue of race, I'll just get in it. You said there are two white guys and a black guy? Okay, Mike. Okay, I know where you're going with this. Tell me about it. Mike, Mike McDaniels is mixed. Okay, I know that. I, I, I do know he's mixed. So I'm what sorry if, about that. So what? So does it? So, okay. It, but this is, this is a classic case of where... I need help. So tell me, does in the in the today's in the equity agenda and the NFL trying to diversify, does that count? No, I don't think so. Oh my gosh. I don't I don't I don't don't, listen. If if I was voting, yes. Anything other than Caucasian is considered a minority. Don't don't beat me up, folks. That's how the military got me trained. When we go and circle our ethnic groups and all that. That's how they put it. Anything other than Caucasian is a minority. So, yes. yes, he is a minority. I just don't think his hire will move the needle as far as saying, oh, there we go. We're getting it a little more even now. When you look at him, it's kind of, you know, you're looking at him, you're like, uh. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, so aesthetically, and I had I had no idea. Like, I didn't, I didn't of course, like some of these coordinators who, like, if they like this guy was an offensive coach and he worked for Kyle Shanahan. So this guy, like, it's not like Robert Sala. Like we knew what he was. Right. We, I didn't know this guy from anybody because Kyle Shanahan's in charge of that offense. So like right. now I, Cody actually, the first one that sent me a picture of the guy and I didn't even know what he was talking about. And he was like, this dude is whiter than you and me. And I'm like, I that cause most guys, most guys that I see that are mixed, like they lean black to me. Like when you look at them, Right. And this guy, like, oh, he kind of, I'm mm, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess he could be, but look, anyway, uh, as far <laughs> as, you know, we had to get, the, I had, we had to get in there on that. But anyway, um, I will say we're doing a segment where you have two out of three minority head coaches. So maybe that's progress. I don't know. Right. But I do look, as far as who's in the best situation, let's just get the one who is just done belonging that. Good luck, Lovey Smith. Good luck. And I'll get, maybe I'll come back to that at some point. So you look at the other two. Um, I think there's arguments for Mike McDaniel, and I think you might have one. But I got. I think I got to go Dennis Allen. Um, I think the Saints have a really good foundation. Um, I know Sean Payton had that thing. Sean Payton built up a really good program. Dennis Allen, to me, if he can come in and kind of just keep them moving along, they do got to count. The one big thing, they still feel the effects of Drew Brees' retirement, I think. <clears throat> so the question is, like, how do you move forward? Does Jameis Winston – remember, Jameis Winston played pretty well for him before he got hurt. Uh, do you bring him back? What about Taysom Hill? Does he go back to the uh, the Swiss Army knife role? Uh, and, yeah, I don't think we need to talk about Trevor Simeon. He can still, he can still have a roster spot, but, um, yeah, forget about the rest of it. But Dennis Allen, you know, Dennis Allen is actually a retread. But the thing I like about it is Dennis Allen coached for the Raiders like 10 years ago. He was eight and 28. It was horrible. 
I didn't think like before he got the job, he had only been a coordinator for one year with the Denver Broncos. That was the Tim Tebow season. So I was of the mindset when he got hired by the Raiders, I was kind of like confused. Why this seems like a little bit quick, you know? And and it, it, as it turned out, it looked like it was. Now the thing about it, he goes, he spent he spent the last, you know, what, six, seven years as a Saints defensive coordinator. So it's not one of them situations where you have um, a Dan Quinn got fired and then he's immediately like, oh, this guy's the hottest thing smoking off the, the head coaching trees and all this. No, he was Dennis Allen. He was the defensive coach of the year or the coach of the year. However, they was go. he really? Was yeah. he really? Was that at the NFL honors that I didn't watch? <laughs> Who was the yeah, who was the who was the offensive coordinator of the year? Uh, I don't even. I'll get back to you on that one. Why did we Why did we even digress to this? We are all over the place <laughs> today. But yeah, so so but Dennis Allen, I think my point is Dennis Allen is a retread, but I feel like at this stage he's more suited to be a head coach. He's more seasoned, and the Saints defense, you know, for the past several years, when I talk about the Saints, I've been talking about their defense and how well they play. So I, I like this move. I like, and I like the idea of um, in this situation, you got a qualified guy who's, you know, maybe could they have got a better hire? Maybe they could have, but hey, we like what we have right here. The coach that's been around for the past 15 years, he went in here and hung it up. He got a trusted assistant in here. He does have head coaching experience. Hopefully he didn't learn from what happened with the Raiders. And remember the Raiders, I mean, that's that's a tough place. That's a tough place to coach. You know, right. there was that the period after John Gruden to John Gruden, the Raiders didn't win anything. So we, we got to remember that. So it ain't like Dennis Allen, the only coach that didn't succeed with the Raiders. So I think Dennis Allen in a good position. Of course, the bigger question mark is got to solidify the quarterback position. We also got to, I don't know if that's a, something that's going to linger, but the legal troubles of one Alvin Kamara, we, I guess we got to pay attention to that now. I don't know what it is. These guys go to Las Vegas and it's just a clown show, just each and everywhere, each and every way. They moved the franchise to Vegas, then the Pro Bowls in Vegas, and everybody just lost their damn mind. Incredible. So I think it's Dennis Allen. Um, Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel, he got a shot. I think he has a chance because the Dolphins, they have some things. I'm not, I guess, I'm not sold on Mike McDaniel for a couple reasons. Number one, I just think the Dolphins are, uh, I think we've seen this. They're just not a very impressive organization. I don't like the owner, uh, Stephen Ross. If there's a shred of truth to DeBrian Flores allegations as far as losing on purpose, that's a huge problem. So I hope Mike McDaniel had a nice talk with the owner and they got to understand that, hey, we want to win and we want to win today. That's a big deal. The, the thing about Mike McDaniel, and this goes back to my Dennis Allen point, um, Mike McDaniel, that resume look a little thin. I must say, you got one season as a coordinator, and it was under Kyle Shanahan, so that's Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's not like like Robert Sala. Robert Sala got the head coaching job because that defense, that 49ers defense was Robert Sala's defense. So not that it can't work. We've seen, um, you know, Andy Reid's had some uh, coaches. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. You know, he was a coordinator for Andy Reid. Uh, Matt Nagy, for what it's worth, he won a division title. 
Zach Taylor worked for Sean McVay. Now he's in the Super Bowl, gonna play, gonna play against Sean McVay. So we have that. So it's not like it can't happen. But still, one season as a coordinator, and then outside of that, you got he was the 49ers run game coordinator for four years. And then you just kind of have, you know, offensive assistant and wide receivers coach, you know, get some miscellaneous. Job. I think he he may have been part of that, that old, the old, uh, this the past tense, the Redskins coaching coaching staff when they had LaFleur's and the Shanahan's and the McVay's. He, I think he was there at that particular time. So that's another dude that Jay Gruden had. It's just the jokes write themselves at this point. But I think, look, I think that's a tough ask. They also have to, they also kind of been in between. Like we got to a, uh, but Flores wanted Deshaun Watson and that had, you know, that maybe that was part of some of the friction there. You have that, but we know this, the offense, Mike McDaniel, he got, he, look, he got some work to do for that offense because I thought Tua, Tua showed a lot of, he showed like but that winning streak. He showed, he showed that he can play, but they got to build, they got to do a little bit better around him. I mean, that running back core of theirs, like Miles Gaskin and Lindsey and uh, somebody named Ahmed, and I, it just goes on and on. Devontae Parker out most of the year. You know, I, I think a healthy Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle. obviously he, we know he can play. Gasecki is a pretty decent tight end. But that offensive line, they absolutely have to be better. The defense, there's a lot of talent there. But, like, I think losing Flores, like, can you get a defensive coach in there who can – be as creative as Brian Flores was. So there's a lot of questions. I think Miami is an interesting job. I think you can have success there, but I do think it's a little bit of an uphill battle, particularly with, look, what does it, again, what does it say about Miami that they fired a dude who had back-to-back winning seasons for the first time since 2003, and he didn't get to keep his job? So that's the problem for me. I don't, it's, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough for Mike McDaniel. And look, Lovey Smith, you know, first of all, like Houston, I don't know what happened to him. This almost, you know who looks good for once? Like Bill O'Brien looks good because at least Bill O'Brien did something. Until You know, Houston messed up when they refused to hire a GM. They let Bill O'Brien do both. And then he out here putting DeAndre Hopkins on the clearance rack. So you had that. And then like, then you actually hired the GM, Casario, and now we looking at him and like, what is, is Nick Casario running the equity program? They, Deshaun Watson, well, hey man, I want a black head coach. And they didn't want to do it. And then actually, oh, here's David Culley. Here's your token coach. Are they doing the same thing? I have to say, look, I, and I like Lovey Smith, but drink, you tell me, what has Lovey Smith done in the past 15 years? The He didn't, the what, five of the last six seasons, he was in Chicago. They didn't make the playoffs. Then he goes to the Bucks. They didn't do nothing. He went to Illinois to coach for five years. They didn't do nothing. And I know that's Illinois, so that's a tough place to win. But drink, he he got the Texans brought him in to be the defensive coordinator and the associate head coach. So that tells you how real David Cully was. And so he comes back in the NFL for one season, and now he gets another job. You know, I, I just don't, I don't know that. Look, I, I don't know. Lovey Smith's getting his third job. So that does put a little bit of a dent in the idea. And maybe it's because Brian Flores has put the, put the uh, NFL back under the microscope. So now some of these teams are like, Hey guy, hey, y'all got an opening. Hey, uh, yeah, uh, make sure you're taking these black candidates seriously. All right. So, you know, I don't, 
but that, that that's why when you focus so much on things like race, now it makes me wonder, did Lovey Smith get hired because of, you know, his resume and his qualifications and all that? Or did he get hired to check a box? I ain't gonna lie to you, man. It sure feeling like a check in the box for me. I, I listen. Of the of the situations here, Lovey Smith is by far the worst. Listen, this is third NFL step. We, you just you just named it off. He ain't been a winner yet. The only thing winning is that beard. Like everything else <laughs> is um I don't I don't know. I, it's just. It's one of those things where, like, come on, man, you just can't take any job. But then, now that I think about it, if this Lovey Smith third time, hell, we was over here crying about coaches getting a second. This is third. I guess you maybe you do gotta take whatever job if this is your third time around the the old NFL tree. So I don't know. I don't, I don't see much coming out of this. Um, when your quarterback is David Mills, which he wasn't the worst option, but he ain't Deshaun Watson. Um, it's two types of coaches in the NFL. I say this all the time. I heard this before, and it's true. Two type of coaches. A coach that has a quarterback and a coach that don't. And the one that don't usually get fired. Lovett Smith will be out of here in two years, if not one again. Because, you know, that's how we roll. So, I don't know. I, I haven't seen one thing in his resume that made me believe he deserved his job over Brian Flores. Not one, not one thing in his resume. Unless you want to hit me with some where the experience, that's about all you got for him. And it ain't been a lovely experience either. But that's <laughs> for another day. Um now to the to the other two guys. Um, yes, you know, I'm gonna go against the grain here. I think Mike McDaniels had the best situation, but let me hit on De uh, Dennis Allen first. Listen, man. It's something to be said about coming to replace, let's say, a legend or a legendary, you know, coach or um, a franchise-changing coach. We, we could say that Sean Payton was that, right? Yeah. Um, so my, my problem is Dennis Allen was what I would call a safe pick for head coach because of what you said. You've been defense coordinator for 10 years. Everybody know him, probably know the, the inner workings of the Mercedes-Benz, you know, stadium, arena, whatever it's called. Um, he, he probably know, know the guy that cleans the seats after the game. He probably know the people that lay down that fresh turf. Uh, he know the old lady in front that's welcoming everybody in the morning. I say all that because I think when you look at it like that, Dennis Allen was a good choice because you don't lose – the familiarity and, you know, the complete identity of the team when you hire somebody like Dennis Allen. My problem is I think you lose some of the current perspective when you hire somebody like Dennis Allen. Listen, you named the quarterback situation they got. I don't think Dennis Allen benefits none of those quarterbacks if they have to start any of them. I'm sorry. But Dennis Allen... I don't see him making Jameis Winston better. I don't see him making um, Taysom Hill better. And I damn sure don't see him making Trevor Simeon better. So my problem is now is if you don't make any of the quarterbacks better, you're going in, you know, 
Alvin Kamara out here getting in trouble and he's injured half of the time. Hasn't really been right since he signed his contract. So, okay. Then you're going in with a you know tentative situation with um Michael Thomas. Cause um yeah. you never know when that that could spill over to, you know, him not playing or him being hurt again or him smacking somebody in the locker room. You know how that go. Um and then Offensive line is pretty – I think the offensive line got a lot of promise. But you go to the defense, the defense that you built, now you got to hand that defense off to somebody else. It's kind of like that 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 CEO that built a company all his life and then got to hand it off to his son, and his son running right into the ground. I don't – I just don't know if – I think Dennis Allen could be a good head coach. I just think this situation might be a lot for him. Because with all that said, guess what the fans want? The same productivity they got out of Sean Payton. Guess what the fans want? The same productivity they got out of Drew Brees. Guess what the fans want? They want the same exact results that they got out the previous regime. And guess what the fans going to get? None of that. Um, because the only thing I say about the Saints is this. They, they, didn't, caught, they didn't caught the division at the right time. With the Bucks probably gonna have to figure some things out now. The Falcons been flopping around. I don't know when they're gonna change the logo from a bird to a fish, cause they've been flopping around lately. Um, and then Carolina, we we seen the flaming S show they became once Christian McCaffrey got hurt. So I do think they could be a player in the division. I just think it's a it's gonna be a lot for Dennis Allen to, to fix up, but. He a professional, like you said, been around the team, been 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 out, been able to see what he did wrong, can fix those things. Now he's back in the in the head coach spot. You know, much luck to him, but I think it's a lot. The reason I'm going with Mike McDaniels with the Dolphins is this. Listen, I'm not a fan of the owner either. I'm right with you with that ownership. That I hope Flores sued the glasses off this clown. I hope he sued the, the degree off this clown, because I know he got one. Uh, man, listen, I hope he sent him back to another business for all I care. <laughs> but with that said, I do – listen, if you had to get Flores out, I'm not terribly mad at Mike Daniels, and I got it. He got a paper-thin, you know, 100-word essay for a resume. Got it. Got it. But – like you, like you said, uh, some of these guys was looking the same way. Matt Lafleur when he first went to Green Bay, um, like you said, Zach Taylor when he first went to Cincinnati. The the NFL is getting younger, right? And you know how I feel about pairing younger coaches with young quarterbacks. I think that's the way to go. Just me personally. Um, and this is not a young guy that's leaving college because I usually say go get him from college. But this is a guy that was in the NFL, and I got it. Kyle Shanahan deserves all the credit he get for that offense. I love Kyle Shanahan, so I'm not going to see him bad, say nothing bad about Kyle Shanahan at the moment. But, you know, Mike McDaniels, think about this. Think about how many times we say Eric Bieniemy should get a head coaching job, and he works for Andy Reid. Like, a lot, some people tell you, Andy Reid's the one that run the offense. He's the offensive guy, blah, blah, blah. 
but we still give Eric, Eric Bien-Ami the credit. And I got it. He's been there longer, so you kind of got to be like, come on, bro. He's been there for a while. Like, he's doing something. Or he would have been fired by now. But I just feel like maybe this might be fast. But this right on par with the, the Dolphins' ownership. This is what they do. Just, just you know, move it along pretty fast. I, I think, personally, when I watch that, that San Francisco offense work, I think Mike McDaniels, if he can get the same amount of, you know, athleticism, credibility, um, accuracy, all these attributes that you have to use for a quarterback, if he can get that same amount out of tour that he got out of Jimmy Garoppolo, because remember this about Jimmy Garoppolo. He's, he's somewhat like Tua. They both stay hurt. You never know when they're going to be available. But when Jimmy Garoppolo was on the field, he did some things. Let's keep it real. He did some things. We just seen him play in the NFC Championship game. Um, and I he think a, if he can get, if he he can get lot, two. He had a lot around him, though. I think that is the difference. Like, that'll be the that'll be another challenge for McDaniel. They have to build. If, if you think if Tua, if the idea is like Tua – if he can be what Jimmy G is was or is or whatever, this will well, be think challenging. He's better, have but to... I'm, I'm just talking from his injury standpoint and probably ceiling standpoint. But yeah, okay, but yeah, to, my, my point is just Tua, Tua is going to need more help, like regardless of how good he is or he gets better, because like that's just they don't have enough around him from a running back and offensive line standpoint. Well, hell. Ron Flores was getting paid to lose games anyway, so what, what, what's the draft pick looking like? You know what I'm saying? Like, ain't that what they were trying to do? Get more around them, I guess? Uh, I don't know. Because, um, listen, I, I think the offense is maybe two offensive linemen and another wide receiver away from being dynamic. Like, you named it. You got Gasecki at tight end. I think he's awesome. Jalen Waddle, awesome. Devontae Parker, when he wanted to. Like, he was just, like, hit or miss, whatever. You need a running back. I give you that. I'm not in number with no running backs that they got back there. I'm sorry. Just don't like none of them, seriously. So, yeah, okay, you got to get you a running back. That's what free agency for. It's somebody that will be out there for you if you don't draft. I think in the draft, we need to go offensive line. Let's just call it what it is. It's time to protect your quarterback. But I do think it's enough talent there where he can get something out of tour. Because think about this. You got something out of tour last year with these same exact guys. And and a squid game offensive line. I feel like if you fix that offensive line, you can get something out of tour. Now, I don't know how good Mike McDaniel is going to be at that, but I do think when you put the whole situation in totality, Mike McDaniels have a better situation. Because even... He's not going to be expected to, like, take them to the promised land overnight. The fans in Miami ain't like, oh, we just, we just, you know, was one of the best teams for a decade in the NFL, and we expect to be like that. That's why I think Dennis Allen is going to run into. It's the expectations that's going to be crazy. I don't think Mike McDaniel is going to run into that. And I damn sure don't think Lovett Smith going to run into that. So, to, to tie it all together... Yeah, I think Mike McDaniels is in the best situation. I agree with your point. I, I like what you said about Dennis Allen. I think he's in the second best. And I think we in full agreement that Lovett Smith is coming in at a hot third in this debate. Just to take it one step further, um, would you would you say, because I think another part, like I know Dennis Allen is following a perhaps a 
future Hall of Famer, if not, but maybe a fringe Hall of Famer like Sean Payton. I think he'll get Hall of Fame votes. Mm-hmm. But um, did, I think the, the Saints, at least, you had last season, like the Saints saw, okay, like we don't have Drew Brees anymore. Like this may take some time to get the quarterback situation. Now you have a situation where oh, now we don't have Sean Payton either. So the Saints fans, they may like, and I do get what you're saying. It's hard following a legend. But I think on the other side for Mike McDaniel, he got hired coming off the, Brian Flores. Remember, back-to-back winning seasons. The Dolphins, like last year, they were supposed to be something. Didn't end up turning out that way. But they're like on the on the cusp. And that's a franchise that hasn't like won anything, you know, in a long time. So to me, like if I'm a Miami fan, I'm like, okay, we just hired, we just fired this dude who was actually looked like he was performing. Wouldn't the like next logical step? Okay, we hired this dude to get us to the next step. Yeah, but do you get mad at? So do you put the onus on McDaniel's or the ownership? See, I think they already fed up with the ownership anyway. So I think with the Mike, and that's why I think Mike McDaniel's got a little more leash. Because I think the fans are like, they're, they're mad with the ownership. The ownership so that, is the one effing this up. It ain't okay. So you coach, think if, you know if Mike McDaniel, okay, you think if Mike McDaniel runs into trouble, he won't get the the bullets from the fans. The owner will, right? Okay, because you know the owner out here flopping around. I got you. Okay. Well, we now move to the NBA, where we had a jam-packed trade deadline. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Sham Sharania and all the rest of them were working overtime yesterday because it was so much goings on. Of course, the headliner was, well, you've been waiting all, uh, been waiting, what, six, seven, eight months or whatever it is for a Ben Simmons trade. Well, we got one as the James Harden Ben Simmons trade came to fruition. Uh, plenty of other stuff uh, besides that, but uh, I think that's where we're going to start. Drink James Harden, Ben Simmons, and, well, Ben Simmons and other assorted things in that trade. What did you think of it? Well, hey, listen, I, I, you know, this trade deadline was busy. Um, I'm not going to lie, it was busy. But, like, listen, like most things we do when we go out to the restaurant, hey, let me see what you got on the entrees and let me see what you got as advertisers. And let's just say a lot of these trades was advertisers. If you have to Google a player in that trade, that's an advertiser. I'm just letting you know right now. Um, when you know who all the players are in the trade, that's a main event. So that's why we're going to start with the Nets and the 76ers. That's what you call a main event. We know, we damn well know who James Harden is, and we damn well know who Ben Simmons is. Now, maybe the other guys included might be a little bit of, eh, but we know who they are. I want to say when James Harden and, it's either, it's James Harden and I think, not Paul Millsap. It's another player going with James Harden to the 76ers because it's two players. Um, I'll see if I can find that. You go ahead. But it's James Harden and somebody else. And then Ben Simmons, like you said, Steph Curry, uh, Andre Drummond, a 2022 first-round pick and a 2027 first-round pick. Um, so the 76ers definitely got up off a lot. Um, but they, they do get they get James Harden, which is the key part of their trade. And then... The, the other player was a good complimentary part of the trade, which they may or may not use. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, they did. The, so Philly does get Paul Millsap as well. Yeah. Paul Millsap. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was quite him or not. Um, So, and Paul Millsap is going to be some well-needed depth, I think, for the 76ers, being that they had to give up, you know, a couple of extra players to make this work. Now, to the overall question and the question that many people have, who 
won this trade. And I'm here to tell you, baby, I think it's the Brooklyn Nets. I really do. Um, listen, if you want to tell me that right now uh, James Harden is a better player than Ben Simmons, okay, I'll take that. Right now, I'll take that. Ben Simmons ain't showed me enough for me to really argue that point. Um, but if you take into totality of the situation, where Ben Simmons, where ben Simmons is going, who is on the team he's going to, what can Ben Simmons bring to that team? Then you say where James Harden is going, who is on that team, what James Harden brings to that team. I think you got you you, you got an argument here, and my and my argument is for the set for the Nets is this. We know what Durant do at, when he's at his um, prime. We know what what Kyrie do when he's at his prime. We know what Ben Simmons does when he at his prime. The things that we give Ben Simmons the hardest problem about is running away from the free throw line, not shooting three-pointers, not shooting jumpers. Do we really care about all that if he got Kyrie Irving and KD as teammates, Jay? Do, do, does that matter as much? I don't think it matters as much. I think the free throw issue, the free throw issue will still matter. But the, when you play, when he playing with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, the jump shooting thing, it, it very well could go away. Hey, and listen, to that point, listen, you, you're on a team with two, like, 90% free throw shooters. Like, you need to go ask for some tips or something. Either way, I ain't going to dive down that. But, you, so, also, with that said, the things that Ben Simmons does do good, initiate the offense. He's a good rebounder and pushing it up the, the court type guy. Damn good passer. But the thing that I, th I like the most about what Ben Simmons do that I really think benefits the Nets is what he brings on the defensive side of the ball. It's no denying that Ben Simmons is a first-team all-NBA defensive player. He's capable of being the defensive player of the year. It's no denying that. It's no denying that. Now you got a team that can really use that defensive prowess. And I think it when he get back in shape, because he hasn't played all year, but when he gets back in game shape, and when he's he can anchor that defense where the, the onus comes off of Durant and it's more on Ben Simmons. And yes, I know people gonna say, well, Ben Simmons is a guard. Listen, Ben Simmons is whatever the hell he needs to be. Like we ain't get He's positionless for as far as I care. Because the dude play all five positions damn near. So so <clears throat> when he gets healthy and he be able to start orchestrating that defense, and then on top of that, he can actually play the game that he like to play the most, which is in the paint, because we're not requiring him to shoot threes and all that. And you can put Durant out there at the three-point line. You can put Patty Mills out there in the three-point line. You can put the newly side newly acquired Steph Curry out there, Seth Curry, I should say, out there at the three-point line. It gives you a lot to think about. Don't forget, Joe Harris will come back at some point. They haven't traded him away, so he'll come back at some point too. So this team has the shooting. Oh, by the way, when they got the other two players, guess what else it did? It bolstered their bench because Andre Drummond, if they don't waive him, which I don't think they should because I think he's a, a damn good backup center and you can play them in starting from time to time in small windows but when you play teams that like to play small Andre Drummond ain't gonna cut it 
But you playing these bigger teams and you got to give a guy a rest, put Drummond in there. He'll get, you know, he'll get you seven to nine rebounds. He'll, he'll get you extra possessions. So I just think those extra pieces and with, with what Ben Simmons can bring to your team when, when he's fully healthy, when he's fully motivated, I just feel like that's what the Nets needed, man. They didn't need – they don't need another superstar. And remember, we talked about this. We talked about this before they got James Harden. We was not enamored with the fact that he was going there because we was like, do they really need a third superstar? Like, they didn't need it. Now, Ben Simmons, an all-star, not necessarily a superstar, I don't think. He's an all-star. I think Ben Simmons can be something similar to how Andrew Wiggins kind of slid into Golden State. And it's, it's a guy that... For number one overall pick, got all this expectation thrown on him, right? And now he done been through the ringer a little bit. Now he's going to a team with two, you know, two shooters, two, two superstars, two, you know, all NBA 75 players. And now he gets to be more comfortable. And look what you get. You get Andrew Wiggins as an all-star uh, all starter. So... Not saying that that same scenario would play out for Ben Simmons, but I can see something similar going in Ben Simmons' way like that. So I, I, I think Brooklyn won that. Now, the to, to give credit to the 76ers, if you think about this, right, it was only so many teams that had a, the assets that the 76ers wanted to trade for Ben Simmons. Remember, 76 has been out here flopping around with these ridiculous, disrespectful um, trade demands ever since Ben Simmons made it clear he didn't want to come back. Finally, a team, and I told you this, as soon as I heard this news, I said 76 has got to stop messing around and make this happen because you're not going to get it no better than this. You finally got a team that give up a player that you want, you know, and to their credit, they made it happen. Now, I'm going to tell Darren Moore this. I hope it work out for him because it does have the, the, the possibility of turning out a little ugly for you if James Harden decides he want to be in the club more than be on the court. We'll see. But like I say, as of right now, James Harden is a better player than Ben Simmons. And the one, the one more thing I, I forgot to throw out there about Ben Simmons that I wanted to throw was this. Ben Simmons, like I said before the show, it was probably three teams Ben Simmons could have went to and actually play the way he plays without somebody requiring him to better his shot and do this and do that. And the Nets was one of those teams. So kudos for the 76ers and Brooklyn for making this happen. Because I think it's one of those rare trades where, like, everybody win, but somebody got to win a little more than somebody else. So that's why I say Brooklyn. But to James Harden. You know, a lot of people, they clowning on James Harden. They say, well, you know, he's fat. He's falling out of his prime. All you want to do is party. And well-deserving. But let's not forget this. When James Harden first got to Brooklyn, he was still top five in scoring. Then he was top five in assists. But then he got hurt. And it kind of went downhill from there. And I got it. The beginning of this season, and I think even as we talk right now, he's still top five in assists. But it, those earlier months of the season, he was like number one in the NBA with Chris Paul in assists. So, yeah, he's not scoring the ball at that elite level that we used to, but we do know it was some rule changes, right? 
because these rule changes affected um, Trey Young too, and I don't see everybody saying he done fell off the wagon. So these rule changes did, did bother James Harden, but let's not forget when 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 if he gets back in the lab and he gets back in shape, this still a bad dude, and I do like the pairing with him and and Joel and B because. James Harden can do everything that Ben Simmons wouldn't do. He can go to the free throw line. He can shoot threes. He can he can play the pick and roll game to death with 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 MB. So it's definitely an upgrade in many cases. Only if James Harden gets back in shape. And I don't want to harp on that too much. But with all that said, that was the main event. Now, a couple of these little avatars I want to jump in right quick. That way, once you get to talking, you can get the flowing. Um the Celtics acquiring Derek White and getting um, Daniel Tice back, I thought that was a win for the Celtics. I really like that. Um, now, I, I know you you mentioned, like, the other half of the roster he traded away to get those two players. But either way, I think Derek White is an upgrade over um, Josh Richardson. I, I like Derek White. And, um, you know, Daniel Tice should never left the team. So that was one of them we jacked up back in the day, let me make it right now type deals. Um I like the Hornets acquiring Montrez Harrell from the Wizards. I, I like that, uh, especially when I see they gave up a rookie, Ish Smith, and then a second-round pick. I, I definitely could take that. Um, I, I, I definitely I like that one. And then it was, oh, Serge Ibaka. We talked about that. Serge Ibaka going to the Bucks, giving them some depth, giving them some more size. Um, you know, fresh out the championship run. You know how that go. You lose a couple of players, you get hurt. Um, so it never hurts to get more depth. We know what Serge Ibaka has done over his career, so I think that's a good move. So, yeah, man, that was the main event for me, and then the two advertisers that caught my attention about NBA trade deadline. Yeah, I think, um, man, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff in here that uh, that that happened, but I do think there was absolutely nothing more consequential than um, the Nets and um, 76ers getting together on this trade. It's a Really, really odd. You know, you think about last year when the Nets acquired James Harden and everyone's like, oh, man, this is going to be the one. We got a dynasty in the making and all that. Yeah, well, uh, man, that that went away awful quick. So now you have um, – this is one of those things, and I know I, I didn't say so before, but I think I did say it uh, the previous time when we thought this trade may happen. I thought this is a trade that both teams win. I do agree that I think – Based on what else the uh, the Nets brought back with Ben Simmons, I think they they have an advantage today, and I do think the big thing for them is Ben Simmons is going to a place where he can be the three. Um, you got KD gets back healthy, that's going to be fine. Kyrie, I know he's playing part time right now, but maybe that changes um, given well, you know what's going right now in the in the political climate. Uh, so if if all all things go well, KD Kyrie, and that means Ben Simmons, and I have I, I I like the I like where you're going with Andrew Wiggins, but to me, I think he can if he's if he's right and he comes in with the right mindset, he can be a little bit, he can be a better version of Draymond Green. That's where I'm at. And I think that could really be a great benefit because look, KD, KD Kyrie can score the ball from wherever. Then you have uh uh, Patty Mills and Seth Curry gonna hit you from three with Joe Harris. So they got 
they got the outside shooting cover, which means, as you say, and you correct, nobody, I, I, even me, I'm going to stop talking about Ben Simmons and shooting because he's not going to need to shoot. The only thing that could perhaps get him in trouble is if his free throw shooting is so god awful that people start hacking him and making and making him shoot because he's running from the free throw line. Um, but they definitely do the they got all the shooting in the world, so they should be fine. But the the Nets getting James Harden, the only way, the only way I think the Nets win it is if J if you get James Harden, the Houston Rockets, James Harden. Now, based on rule changes, based on wear and tear, maybe that's not maybe that's not what you can get. But even if you can't. The James, like you say, the James Harden we've seen since Brooklyn has, has had him. I know it's been hit and miss here and there with injuries, but he what he has shown is he may James Harden may be in the transitional stage of his career where he's more of a of a facilitator than he is just a guy who's gonna get you thirty an easy thirty every night. But even so, I think that could be a great benefit because we still know he can score the ball. And what he does and what he's been doing passing since he came up from Brooklyn, you talk about the assist numbers. I mean, it's been unbelievable. And now, if you recall what he was able to do in Houston with Clint Capella, this is this is gonna be tough for for defenses to figure out James Harden and a Joel Embiid pick and roll. It, this is gonna be tough because you know the lobs that he'd be throwing to Capella was it was just unstoppable. And you only gotta I can only imagine and assume that it's gonna be even more difficult. Um now, the Philadelphia's depth is going to be it's going to be um, it's going to be tested because you lose Seth Curry, you lose Drummond. Now they still have uh, the the um, the the backcourt depth in reserve in Maxi and Shake Milton and Corkmaz um, and Danny Green. They still got Danny Green. God bless him. So you have all that going on. So I think it's plausible for both teams. I think can be winners out of this. I think the the difference will be what James Harden does Philadelphia get. But I think the other part of it is, is the timing of this trade. Brooklyn, Brooklyn got this thing in a full scale reverse. They are, they are in the eight seed right now. Losers of 10 straight games. Kevin Durant. I don't, I don't know when he's coming back. I assume he, I mean, he's going to come back, but you got that injury. Now you got Kyrie still being part-time at this point. So right now, like that, the, the we're going to have some games where Ben Simmons is in there and it's still, Hey, we brought in Ben Simmons to be the three, but you'd have got to be the one tonight. Oh man. I, Oh, what I got, I got to shoot. Does that require shooting? Cause I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. So you have that going on, but my point is for Brooklyn, Brooklyn got to get this together quickly. And you know, like some of these teams and these big threes or whatever to get formed before the season, they can't figure it out over a full season. So Brooklyn got two months to get it together and be, you know, somewhat well-oiled by playoff time. And man, the East, the East is a lot more competitive. The, the East is slowly, but surely like become more and more competitive. We know how good Milwaukee is. Uh, Miami, you got to take them seriously. And you got some of them, these upstart teams that look like they something like your Cleveland's and your Chicago's um, man. Like, look, both of them, Philadelphia and Brooklyn, they got some teams ahead of them that are going to be problems. And then Philadelphia, this is like, I think for James Harden overall, it's a legacy thing. Like James Harden ain't never won anything of consequence from a team perspective. Um, look, he had his time as a six man working with OKC. Then he was the man in Houston for many, many years. Then he went to Brooklyn and just, 
we thought it was going to be something. And then like, like it's, it's amazing how quickly that situation disintegrated. You talk about KD's body language last night. I, I read a graphic on Twitter. I don't know if it was legitimate, but there, there was a rumor out there saying James Harden was getting cooked by Kyrie over and over in one-on-one drills. And like, it was just, Kyrie wasn't even in shape because he barely playing. So that, that it's not a good, and then you got the report saying, man, well, James Harden wants to leave Brooklyn, but he don't want like that public because he don't want that port, port to make him, you know, be seen in a bad light. Well, too late. So I think that this is probably one of the more fascinating deals I've seen. I think both teams can win. But in the end, like these are both two, like when you talk about, especially last season and this season, these are two teams that like, hey man, the Eastern Conference Finals, let, let's go. Both of these teams. And Milwaukee ended up getting it done last year. It doesn't, we, I don't, I, at this, at this stage, it's unlikely that this is an Eastern, Eastern Conference Finals matchup, although it would be fascinating to see. But, um, you know, besides that, you know, you look at some of these other trades, a lot, a lot going on. Some of it don't amount to a hill of beans. I did like the Bucks getting Serge Ibaka. Um, I thought that really, you know, you remember, remember what uh, P.J. Tucker did for them last year from a toughness and an experience standpoint. I think Ibaka could be um, that missing piece for them this year. And it, a lot of teams just kind of just, I don't even know what they're doing. Like, you know, Boston over here, they got Derek White, Daniel Tice, in a second in a second round pick in 2023 for for Bobo, PJ Dozier, and what else? Dennis Schroeder, Ennis Cantor Freedom, and Bruno Fernando, and Josh Richardson, and Romeo Langford. Like, what is this? Like, Brad Stevens, please help me understand what is happening. You do realize this is 300, and I used to be, and I look, I was a fan of Brad Stevens and what they were doing up there with the young guns and the veterans that they would mix in. But this is 365 straight days where I've been straight confused because ever since the trade deadline last year, I just could not get my I just could not get my mind wrapped around it. So you mean to tell me you dumped Daniel Tice last year for I don't even remember who it was anymore, but you dumped him. And now three uh, one year later, hey, we brought him back, folks. We rectified this egregious error. The defensive anchor, Robert Williams, mentor. He's back. What is I just don't understand. Then you have a lot, some teams, they just like the Kings to me are out here, just, you know, throwing spaghetti at a wall, trying to see what stick they just active. They just out here doing everything and they hope something's going to happen. And then some teams look to be giving up. Um, Portland looks like Portland's giving up. Um, they keeping every, they, they kicking everybody out of town except uh, Damian Lillard. So uh, when you, when you saw, what was it last week? You saw Covington and Powell go away. It was like, oh, well, that somebody that more moves to come. And CJ McCollum's out of there. So I don't know, man. I mean, if I'm Damian Lillard, I don't know how you can be like satisfied because like every piece that would be a benefit to you is gone out of here. And I know Damian Lillard, he's been consistent. And I and I think he deserves credit for that. Like he's not, he look, he's I think I saw a quote, something like, look, man. Every uh every sinking ship got a captain or something like that. And I got look, I got respect for that. But man, like that thing's sinking. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how they rebuild it. I don't know. It's Portland. Like it ain't the most attractive destination for the free agents of the world. And then I want to say, I thought I saw one more in here, and it was not Christos Porzingis. I don't much care about that. Oh, Utah. Utah, 
Utah surprised me. Um, Joe Ingles leaving, and I really didn't see what they got back for him, which would like, you know, be an equal piece or better. So that surprised me. And I, I got to admit, like, I can't imagine. I think I think Ingles is in Portland now. But Joe Ingles just seemed like I could never imagine him playing somewhere outside of Utah. I don't know. Maybe he just the Joe Ingles and his whiteness and his Australianness. It just seemed like Utah. You know what I'm saying? So, but other than that, look, so much, so much in there. Can't unpack it all, but obviously, uh, James Harden, Ben Simmons, that is what uh, Bears watching moving forward. All right, so staying in the NBA, last night on TNT, we had Team LeBron. LeBron picking his team versus Team uh, Durant, KD picking his team. Um, look, Jay, no need to uh, fumble around with this one. Uh, if these was two real teams, who would win and why? Team LeBron or Team KD? Yeah, um, I think uh, I got to get through this quickly because I'm a little parched. I need to get some water after this. I'm going to go uh, – I feel like in most cases, LeBron seems to normally outdraft. Maybe he, gonna be, maybe he should actually be a GM when he hangs it up. He seems to outdraft uh, his opponent more often than not. I think he did in this case again. Maybe we need to do an investigation on that first pick thing. Maybe he's just he – got a, he got a trick coin that he's using. But, look, you got Giannis, Steph, the MVP last year, and the Joker. And DeRozan, I mean, DeRozan's no slouch. I mean, he's, people think DeMar DeRozan is maybe the catalyst for the Chicago Bulls' success this year. Um, so when you juxtapose that to, and I like, look, look, KD, he got Embiid right. And, you know, John Morant, maybe I'm sleeping on John Morant a little bit. But then uh, Trey Young, Andrew Wiggins, like, you know, the Wiggins thing is just like, yeah, really? Is that, that really happened? Yes, it did. Okay. I'm, and I'm assuming he was the last pick among the starters. Who? Andrew Wiggins? Yeah, he was. He was. Okay. He was. So, I mean, take that with what you would. So, I think the starters, I think LeBron got a big advantage among the starters. And then you look at the benches. The benches might be, you know, maybe, they, maybe they're a little bit of a toss-up. Maybe, you, But maybe then you give LeBron an edge there. Like, can you, like, James Harden, James Harden was the last pick, and he goes to LeBron. And somehow I feel good about that. Even even this like James Harden, you know, version who is clearly not the same, you know, MVP James Harden from Houston, you know, but um, you have Luca. Look, look, Luca, Luca. Um, I mean, what can you say? This is a guy who was an All Star game starter last year. I mean, we know, we still know this is a young guy who's on the come up. CP three. I mean, the LeBron chemistry there. Donovan Mitchell. He's no slouch. I just meant, and then you look at the uh, Durant's reserves. And he gets the two injury replacements, of course, with uh, Deontay Murray. How you say that? Deontay Murray. Deontay Murray. I don't know. That's not a name I say every day. This, this that just illustrates how irrelevant the Spurs have become. Like I came as one of their best players, and I'm not even aware of how you say his name because, like, they they just I don't even know. Is Greg Popovich? He's still sporting that ridiculous beard. He, he is. Still got he that. just became he just became the winningest coach in NBA history. And I didn't, yeah, and I was asleep at the wheel for that one. And then LaMelo Ball, he's in there. That, that's no, that ain't nothing wrong with that. They do have Devin Booker. I just think, I think the benches are more of a toss up. You did bring up a great point. Um, LeBron's, uh, LeBron's uh, bench, they ain't got no, they, they all guards. 
I mean, Jimmy Butler and Luca, maybe they could do some forward stuff. They all guards. So uh, I don't I, look if the Joker got in foul trouble and then Giannis got in foul trouble. Yeah. Uh, Joel and B about to cook everybody down there. So, yeah. So that, that'd be the X factor. Like did, Le, did LeBron do the Houston Rockets small ball thing to the extreme, you know, when they traded Capella and Russell Westbrook did the thing and it was cool for five minutes. Yeah. Um, look, but I do think, look, unless, unless you have a, situ- a situation like that. Yeah. LeBron wins this one. Yeah, it's almost as if LeBron drafted for an all-star game and Durant drafted for an actual game. Um, I, I don't think that's how it went, but, it, I mean, maybe that makes a little more sense. Like you said, you go start lining up. You know, I'm looking at it. I, I think, you know, Durant, because I, I, I understand that the disapproval, the, the disapproval of, you know, Andrew Wiggins, I think the bigger problem is is KD is actually getting replaced. So if he was actually starting, I, I don't think this lineup would be as bad. But the fact that you're replacing him with Jason Tatum, yeah, that start five going to be tough. I mean, Joel Embiid, but then you think Joel Embiid will be playing against Jokic. So he would be taking just as much as he given if this was a real game because we know how good both of those guys are. And Jokic is the defending MVP for a reason. So it's not let's not sleep on that. But I do I do agree with you. Everybody, I mean, I'm looking like who else would hold LeBron? Who who would who would stop Giannis from doing anything in that starting lineup? And then you, you got Steph Curry. I mean, I, the, the the weakest link is DeMar DeRozan. And let's be honest here, if he takes anything other than a three, you're dead. Like we know how lethal yep. DeMar DeRozan is inside the three-point line. So then you got to get him to the bench. Now, but, you know, I think Team Durant definitely got the advantage in the bench because they have a variety of things, right? You got Rudy Gobert at the five. You got Carl Anthony Towns that can play the five. Then you got Devin Booker and Zach Levine, some pretty good guards. You got a young fella, LaMelo Ball in there, right? Chris Middleton, let's not forget about what he can do. And then we, we got DeJounte Murray coming in. Up. So I like the versatility of Team Durant's bench. But, I mean, for an all-star game, who wouldn't love Team LeBron's bench? Like, it's just a bunch of guards. It's a bunch of little short dudes. Just, yeah. Like, it's going to be entertaining. But one thing I would say about Team LeBron bench is the one thing you're not worried about is shooting. With Luka, Darius Garland, CP3, the, the worst shooter – of all these guys is Jimmy Butler and he can shoot. He just can't shoot as good as the rest of these guys, but he can shoot. So shooting wouldn't be a problem, but playing defense might be. So with that said, I think it's another, another year LeBron, you know, um, the drafted well. And I think the reason LeBron always get the first pick is because if I'm not mistaken, if you're the leading vote go getter, you get the first pick. That's why LeBron mm. keep getting the first pick because he's the leading vote go getter. Um, but he gets the first pick of the starters, but team Durant get the first pick of the bench. So, um, with that said, LeBron comes out here with the OOP again. We seen what he did to Giannis. We seen what he been doing in the past when it comes to this draft. And, you know, shots out to Team LeBron, and I would definitely take Team LeBron if this was a real game. All right, time to finish off the show with rap reactions. Uh, Tyler, it's a little bit of time. Take it away, drink. Let's roll, baby. The NFL Honors Awards show took place last night, including 
Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers winning his fourth MVP award. Did you uh, disagree with any of the winners last night, Jay? Uh, not really. I thought um thought for the most part everything was good. The only one I maybe uh would have I thought Jonathan Taylor had a good argument for offensive uh player of the year. I thought maybe you could have saw co-offensive player of the year. I know most people don't like that, but I think that's an example that uh could have been appropriate, but um besides that, I thought uh everybody that won was pretty deserving. The Auburn Tigers have reportedly decided to bring back football coach Brian Harson after a university-directed inquiry looked at why so many coaches and players left the program after his first year on the job. Drink, what do you make of that? They, Auburn didn't have a choice. They can't pay him. They're still paying Gus Malzahn to, to go do what he's doing in Central Florida. So, you know, it's one of those things like in college football where they think down south is just like an unlimited pot of money. Well, yeah, but when you start messing it up, you run into this situation. Now they got to keep a coach that it came here and act a, a donkey all over the, the administration and ain't nothing they can do about it because they can't afford to fire him. Yesterday, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred described the possibility of missing games due to the, a lockout, a disastrous outcome. You agree? Of course. Also, water is wet. I mean, what are we talking about? I've, look, I don't under, baseball just – when you go back to how – you know, when they were trying to the whole reopening thing and, you know, when they they just couldn't get it together as far as how they were going to do a season. It was just like terrible. This is just a continuation of that. Like, you know, I don't know what I don't know what my Rob Manfred is doing, but you got to be better than this. I mean, negotiate people, get it together. Yeah, y'all baseball up here trying to do the, their best imper, impersonation of the Congress where they don't do nothing either. So. <laughs> you just got to do better. It was a busy trade deadline, the NBA, as we told you about, but one team was noticeably inactive, and that was the Los Angeles Lakers. Drink, did that surprise you? It did, but it would really chap my hide or scuff my Tims for all my people out there in the northern area is yes. the fact that, okay, you get, you get an explanation of, oh, well, they had a trade, but the power went off for three minutes. But the power did come on three minutes before the deadline was over. Oh, by the way, we got a picture of Rob Palenka at Disney World during that time as well. So I don't know what was more important. So yeah, I don't I don't know what type of bull crap they got going on, but I hope LeBron get to the bottom of it. The Milwaukee Bucks guard Pat Connaughton suffered a fractured finger during last night's loss to the Phoenix Sun. Big deal, little deal, or no deal? Uh, I'll take I'll take in between little and big. I'll call it the medium deal. I think um, combined with uh, DiVincenzo getting moved uh, to Sacramento, now Connaughton being out, we don't well, we don't know how long that'll be. But uh, yeah, you got some uh, you got some cracks in the backcourt depth. So I think uh, moving forward, that'll be a challenge. You know, what do you get? You know, behind uh, Middleton and Holiday. You know, it's I guess at this point it have to be West Matthews and George Hill. You know, but uh, yeah, that's uh. The same way, like I thought, Abaca was a, a big deal to pick him up. The the the, the combined Divincenzo and Connaughton thing, I, th I think that is significant. The NFL Hall of Fame selections were announced last night and included Tony Baselli, Leroy Butler, Sam Mills, Richard Seymour, and Bryant Young. Who did you think the biggest snub was? I really want to. I don't know why, but I just don't. I don't think players was as electric at what they did like I thought Devin Hester was as a kickoff returner. And I got it. Kickoff returner is not the most glamorous and the most important position. But nobody – that guy revolutionized kickoff returning. He was electric. And I just 
I thought this was going to be an opportunity for that position to get shine with Devin Hester getting in, but he didn't get in. And also, I don't know, I, I looked at um, Andre Johnson, you know, the wide receiver, the longtime wide receiver of the Texans. I, you know, I, I thought maybe he, he would slide in there too. But, listen, it's only the first time around, so these guys are definitely get more than, you know, their fair share of opportunities to get in. But those were the two guys right off bat. After a five-month review, the L.A. District Attorney Office have declined to criminally charge Los Angeles Dodgers right-handed starter Trevor, Trevor based on a sexual assault allegation from the middle of last year. What are your thoughts on this, Jay? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was Trevor Bauer. Again, I just blank and forget a word. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm not quite sure what to make of it. Uh, we don't, I don't know the details, you know, of the, of the case, you know, but I, you know, you got some cities around here with some of these district attorneys, they don't, they don't charge anybody for anything. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't know. It, it, we had all this time and all this noise and Bauer, like didn't Bauer's absence. Plus, um, you know, somebody was it Kershaw Kershaw got hurt. Like the, that combined likely cost the Dodgers uh, a chance at the world series. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think, you know, we may never know what exactly happened, but um, you know, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll uh, wait and see on what it means for Bauer's future as, as a, uh, a, uh, a starter in, in, in Major League Baseball. Tomorrow night, it's UFC 271, Adesanya versus Whitaker, the second on ESPN pay-per-view, the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas, main event. Middleweight title rematch between the champ, Israel Adesanya, and the number one contender, Robert Whitaker. Drink, who wins? Oh, man, I got... Yo, it, this, so this match got a lot around it that's so much different from the first time they fought. The first time they fought... Robert Whitaker was the champion. Um, Israel Adesanya was the interim uh, champion. And, and um, they both was coming off incredible wins. Now, you got this time around, Israel Adesanya is the champion. Robert Whitaker is the contender. And, and Israel Adesanya just came off a loss trying to move up and become the light heavyweight champion, where Robert Whitaker been just plowing through the uh, middleweight, the rest of the middleweight division to get this rematch. With that said... I think I think I'm gonna go Adesanya just because the way he dominated the first match when he knocked out Whitaker. Um, I don't know if I've seen enough to think Whitaker would change that outcome. I do think he's better, but I'm gonna go with Adesanya probably by decision this time around. On Wednesday's letter to the House Oversight Committee, the NFL blamed the Washington Commanders for blocking access to more than a hundred thousand documents related to the investigation into their workplace culture. Jay, I got to know your reaction on this. Well, my first reaction is, why is Daniel Snyder not in Ukraine yet? That's my upfront reaction. The secondary reaction is, I, I told him about that last week. The secondary reaction is, both parties just look, just so, the NFL just looks incredibly weak because this is this goes back to the whole point of like, the Washington Post story from, you know, a year and a half ago. How, how does the, how does Washington, uh, how are they allowed to hire their own people to investigate themselves? Hello, conflict of interest, anyone? And now, lo and behold, now you have allegations against Daniel Snyder. And so the NFL is like, well, you know, now we'll, we'll run our own investigation. Now it's just, it's just a joke. All of it. It's just, it is comedy beyond belief. Last one, Lakers and Warriors from the Bay tomorrow night on ABC. You got the Lakers, right? I do got the Lakers. Um, listen, I think 
at some point the Lakers got to figure it out. I think the Warriors might mail this one in because they can, I guess. <laughs> I mean, Lakers just not have not looked good lately, and I think the Warriors might under be under you know whelmed with with what they've been seeing as of lately. So I think the Lakers will come up and you know sneak them a win and try to keep the the pundits off their back here. So yeah, I do have the Lakers. Okay. Well, that concludes tonight's drink of wisdom. As always, like, listen, uh, like, listen, share, and subscribe. And thank you for joining us. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinking. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a drink of wisdom. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.